people get so confused about what this is all about, this whole baptism thing. Uh, I rem- I'm reminded of how confusing it is to people. It, it's not confusing me. You know, I've been a Christian for a while and pastor. Uh, but I remember as a young Christian, not understanding what baptism was all about. So I want to say something before we dismiss and have, have, uh, have some brats. We've, we've done uh, the baptism part. Now we're going to do the burgers and brats part. But we've got to have the Bible and, and sandwich in there. So uh, I remember my, when, when I came to Christ, one of the things that, that my mom and grandmother, who were the more spiritual ones in our family, they told me, don't you get baptized. Don't you get baptized. You've already been baptized. And I didn't I, I remember when that happened. But, uh, you know, in our family, it was like, if your mom and your grandmother say don't do something, you better not do it. And uh, I was a young Christian, because they saw all of a sudden this change in my life, and uh, they didn't understand what baptism was all about. And I remember, uh, I got, uh, uh, right after they said that, uh, every Sunday night in the church I came to Christ in, there was a baptism. And so all these, you know, there's a lot of young people coming to Christ. And so I go and get baptized. And, uh, and it was, you know, it was really exciting. It was a really meaningful thing. It was, it's a big church, and they have, you know, they had like a, a stage, and the baptism was back in the back, kind of like in a traditional setting, not a horse trough on the stage. And so uh, uh, months go by, and I'm, I'm in some kind of an argument with my mom and grandmother and, uh, and they say, yeah, you're going to, yeah, just like when you got baptized. And I went, because I didn't tell them, right? And I, I went, how did you know I got baptized? And they go, the one night we decided to come to your church, you're getting baptized. <laughs> <laughs> they showed up that night, of course. And they thought this, the church that I came to Christ in was this crazy holy roller church that... Uh, the other side of the tracks, it was in the Heights in Houston. That's an area of Houston that's the other side of the tracks. And it, and it just fit all their preconceived ideas because they were Methodists. Well, my, my, my mom was raised Methodist, but my parents went to an Episcopal church. And they just thought that baptism was about being a member of a church, that this is like the membership class, right? And this is how you join and how you become part of the club. But uh, just like if you, if, if you saw the movie... Uh, Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? Anybody see that? Raise your hand if you saw that movie. Okay, good. You remember when the, the guys are on the run and, uh, and they hear, all, they, they hear this, this beautiful singing and all these people are like mesmerized, walking through the trees singing. And they're just going, oh, let's go see what it is. You know, they go down there and they see people getting baptized and, and two of the, the criminals just get <laughs> moved. And they go down in there and they get baptized and they're in the car talking about it afterwards. And one of them says... I've been baptized and born again. The preacher says I'm going to heaven and all my sins have been forgiven. And, and uh, in, in fact, even when I knocked over the Piggly Wiggly, I've been forgiven of that. And, and when I did this and did that, and, and, and one of the guys who's the skeptic, he says, you know, you're dumber than a rock. You know, you, the, the, you may be forgiven in heaven, but you're, not, you're still going to go to jail for that. And he didn't get it. So he thought baptism, you know, got you out of jail. So there's just lots of confusion about baptism, and I don't know if I can uh, dispel all of it, but I, I think there's a, a point to, to get about baptism that's really simple. When, uh, when Jesus 
began his ministry, he, he began to teach and preach right after a man named John the Baptist was preaching and teaching uh, as the forerunner before the Messiah, who that was Jesus. And so Jews would accept non-Jews into uh, their Hebrew faith and the one true God if they were baptized. They had to be circumcised and baptized. And the Jews were circumcised on the eighth day, okay? So, obviously, uh, and this, this whole thing about baptism started in the, during the time of the prophets when, you know, like, Naaman was baptized. There was all kinds of things that the rabbis looked at in the Old Testament, the prophets, that became sort of a, a rite of passage for Gentiles. So, Gentiles who weren't followers of the one true God, they could join Israel if they were baptized. And what John the Baptist said was, as he, as he practiced that, he was telling the Jews, you guys have to be baptized too. It doesn't matter if you're children of Abraham. God is holy and you're not. And you need to be forgiven just like the Gentiles do because you're just as on the wrong side of God's law as they are. Well, that offended a lot of the Jews. They thought, you know, hey, we, you know, we're Abraham's children. We've kind of got it good because we're born into this. And so John just said, no, there's no way. That, that's, not, that's not how God looks at it. And so he called them to be baptized. And, and baptized symbolized all kinds of things. But one of the things that, one of the many things it symbolized was us and our old way of life are completely unacceptable to God. God is holy and we're not. And there's, there's a divide between us and God that God doesn't want to exist, but it exists because we've sinned. And everyone's sinned from Adam to now. The first people who ever lived uh, utterly failed God and went their own way. And so it, it separates us from God to go our own way because all the, the pain and sorrow and trouble and, and we dishonor God, we dishonor our own selves. And so... We're, we're in this condition that it makes us unacceptable to God. And that's where the Gentiles were. And so John the Baptist said to the Jews and the Gentiles, if you want to be accepted by God, you have to be accepted on his terms. Now, baptism shifted in its meaning. I don't want to focus on John the Baptist. But John the Baptist said something. He said to his disciples, because all these people were following him, and they wondered, is he the Messiah? Is John the Messiah? And John said, I'm not. Uh, I'm a nobody. He said that the one that's coming after me is so powerful and he's so much greater than I am that you can't even compare me to him. Don't even talk about us in the same sentence because he existed before me. Uh, he existed before everything. And I baptize you in water in this symbolic ritual. He is going to baptize you in God's presence, in the Holy Spirit. And so, all the people were waiting. Wow, when is this Messiah going to come and do this? Because that was part of the promise. Now, let me, let, me, now let me make it simple. I've made it complicated. Let me make it simple. This water, when, you, when someone's baptized in, in water, they were baptized in rivers and bodies of water. We use a horse trough. You're immersed completely in something. And, and the word baptize, which is, is a word in Greek that we've just kind of brought into our language, 
It meant in that time to take a, a garment and to dip it in dye, to immerse it in dye. And so what happens when you take, let's say, a, a white T-shirt and you immerse it in scarlet dye? When you pull it out, is it blue? Is it green? No, it's, it's, the, the dye has invaded the warp and woof of that, that garment, and it's the color of that dye. And so the, the, it's immersed in it. And what baptism, in, in, amongst the many things it symbolizes, is there's a reality called the kingdom of God that is part of a relationship with God. There's a reality that we get invited into. And it's a reality that we can be immersed in. Just like when you live day in and day out, you're, we're all immersed in our culture, we're all immersed in the world that we live in completely. We dress like Americans, we sound like Americans, you know, we, we live like Americans, we walk like Americans, we talk like Americans, etc., etc., etc. But God says there's a reality in the middle of this that you can't enter any other way, but it's a reality. You, if, if you knew what it was like, you would want it. It's everything your heart longs for that it can't find in this reality that you live in. And it's here with you, and it's available to you, but you have to know how to enter it. And so, first, the water symbolizes this reality that we can be immersed in, that we can be immersed in a reality where God becomes real to us. Because I'm standing outside this tub of water, and I'm completely dry. But if I step into this, and I lay down in it, suddenly, just like we just saw the folks who were baptized, we're just completely immersed in it. Now, some of you may think, is that what I'm supposed to have experienced? That is what you're supposed to have experienced. That is what is possible for you to experience in Christ. Now, you know, people who get baptized aren't always the most articulate. People don't like to, like Matt said, uh, you know, I, I'm not an extrovert. I don't want to get up here and say anything. We always tell people they don't have to say anything, and then we put the microphone in their mouth in front of them, say something. Because uh, if we say that, they won't do it. The water also symbolizes Jesus. Because when you're baptized, the Bible says, when you, when you put your faith in Jesus, and baptism is a symbol of what you've done, you are immersed in Jesus. You are joined to him. He comes in you, you come into him. There's this consolidation or one of a better phrase, between you and God through Jesus. So the reality of God is available to us through Jesus. And so when we're baptized, you'll notice the language we use. And, it's, and every word, every formula doesn't matter. But the point is, people are saying, I want to follow Christ. And I'm standing publicly and saying, I've already invited Christ into my life and I've surrendered my life to him. And this is a, an outward picture of what's happened inwardly. And then we say, I baptize you in the into the name of Jesus Christ, and we baptize him in the water. That's what's happened privately when you ask Christ into your life. He is the way into the reality. The reality comes with him. It's the only way it can, it can come into your life. It doesn't come any other way. And it's surprising sometimes when people say Jesus, and they, they call out to Jesus, and Jesus becomes real to them. Jesus shows up in their life. 
Then, so there's the reality, there's how you get into it, there's how you enter it, and then there's the condition. And the condition is, when someone sits here, they do two things. They are surrendering themselves to something, and they're receiving something as a gift. So God's gift of grace and His life and His presence comes to you freely. You can't do anything to earn it. That's why we ask people, that's why traditionally, when people are baptized in almost any tradition there is, it happens to them. They don't do anything. They just relax and, they, and, and people lay them back in the water. It's a picture of, of letting go of your life and receiving something. And it's a gift, but you have to surrender. To receive, you have to surrender. And to surrender, you have to receive. And it's, it's tricky because we try. We think this is about trying to do something. It's not. The final picture of baptism is supposed to send a message to us and to anybody that, we're, you know, that might be curious about what this is all about. That you have, it's, it's something you receive and there's a, there's a surrender that's necessary. You have to yield your life to Jesus because it's a picture of being buried too. It's a picture of the old you dying and being buried. And then a new person coming up. And, and when we're receiving God's grace, part and, and it isn't always explicit, but it's implicit in it, is God is saying to you, is there anything you're going to hold back from me? And there were, in, the, in, in the Roman Empire, when uh, Christianity was spreading like wildfire through the Roman Empire... One of the things that the Roman soldiers used to do was when they would get baptized, they would hold their, their right hand out of the water. You know why they did that? Because they wanted to be able to fight for the Roman Empire. And they felt like you, they couldn't do that and be Christians. And, I mean, it's, 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 it's really a contradiction to hold something out of the water when you're getting baptized. And it's the same idea of having a relationship with God. Is there something in your life that you've ruled off limits that you're holding out of the water? It's a, it's, it, it doesn't really work, does it? You're not, really, you're not really surrendering, are you? You're really saying, no, I really want to hold on to this. I kind of want my Jesus cake and I want to eat this too. And that's, Jesus died completely. Uh, he surrendered his life completely for us in our place. And that's what we're entering into. The new life comes when we lose our old life, not when we hold on to part of it. Do you understand? you get that part? If you hold on to part of it, you really don't get what Jesus has for you. Now, sometimes we're not consciously thinking we're holding on to anything, and that's cool. But there's points in your life where God, I mean, the message of baptism to someone who's already been a believer for a while is, is there anything you're holding on to? Is there anything you're not really willing to surrender? Is there anything that's more important to you than him? Is there anything you're holding out of the water? And if there is, you have to come to terms with that and say, Jesus, you know, why am I doing that? Because we always do, nobody does anything without a reason. You may not know what the reason is behind why you do something, but if you reflect long enough, you will find out there is a reason why you do what you do. And you have to get to the bottom of that. 
and then resolve that with Christ and say, Jesus, I, I'm not going to hold on to this anymore in my life. I see this is foolish for me to think that doing this is going to get me more than what you have for me. But sometimes we're, you know, we really hold tight onto things because they're so important to us, but we got to realize, and it's hard sometimes to, to get this idea, the things that you hold on that you think are really important, when Jesus says, I don't want you to hold on to that, I have something better for you, it's risky to do that. It's risky to surrender that. But that's the only way you're able to take hold of the good things he has for you, is if you let go of those things that you have defined as good in life on your own terms. So, it may be a relationship. Maybe somebody you're not willing to forgive. It, it could be any number of things where God says, what are you holding on to besides me? I have so much more for you than that thing that you're holding on to that's just empty. It's really empty when you finally get a good look at it in, in, the, in the daylight. So, we're going to go and uh, enjoy brats and, and burgers and uh, other uh, as, uh, as Jay put it, uh, sausagey, meaty things. But uh, I want to pray for a minute and just ask you to, to, to wait here uh, before the Lord. And oh, the payoff is this, that, that which you get immersed in, the reality of God's kingdom, of His Spirit in your life, is so rich it's, 